0: We're going to continue um, tonight with our study of the seven churches from the book of Revelation. And so, uh, yeah, I decided instead of trying to do some special end-of-the-year service tonight, let's just keep going with what we're doing. We pretty much had the special end-of-the-year service on Sunday morning, and tonight we're going to be talking about the uh, church at Smyrna. Um, So, you ready to get started? Awesome, praise God. Now we need to remember that the letters that John wrote through the inspiration of Jesus Christ serve as a template for two things. They serve as a template for what should the church look like and what shouldn't the church look like. There really is a, a fundamental template that we see there. If we find things that Jesus commends at any one of the churches, we should strive toward that thing. And if we find anything that the Lord condemns, then we should do everything in our power to steer clear of that, right? Because there's, there's examples in all seven of these churches of what we should be and what we shouldn't be as a people and as a church. We've already gone through uh, the study of the church of Ephesus and basically learned four things, I believe, at least four things that I've picked out. Number one, uh, be willing to break a sweat for Jesus. You know, have a willingness to work hard for Jesus. Uh, number two, be willing to endure hardship with grace and joy. And how many know that isn't, that's not easy to endure hardship with grace and joy. But we found that. Be willing to test all things. And then finally, and we'll get this lesson from every one of the letters, be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were unable to catch the teaching on that, I encourage you to go back into uh, our YouTube files and watch um, the different studies so that you can be up to speed. Tonight we're going to start our study with the Church of Smyrna. I don't expect we'll get too far. I I I think Ephesus took us three three weeks to get through, and I already can see that it's probably going to take three weeks to get through Smyrna as well. So if you have your Bibles, and you should, because this is a midweek Bible study, you can turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. I'm going to be reading them from the New American Standard Bible, but every one of the other scriptures that will show up on the screen are going to be from the New King James Version. Here we go. And to the angel in the church, excuse me, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna right? the first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are, of, but are are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. There's so much in that short letter. (laughs) I mean, we could probably have three weeks of study on what is the second death, you know. So we got a lot of uh, interesting things to study, but as I did with Ephesus, I kind of started off our study on Ephesus giving you a snapshot of the city itself. Because I think when we see the city in context of its location and its time frame and its culture, it gives us a better uh, viewpoint on how to connect the dots with the things that Jesus was writing in his letter. So here's some uh, snapshot information about the city of Smyrna. It was known as the most beautiful city in all of Asia. Although Ephesus was the gateway to Asia, uh, Smyrna was known as the most beautiful, lovely uh, city that there was. It was a great city of commerce, a great city of trade. Um, Believe it or not, uh, this is hard to really get a picture of, but it actually had a street of gold in it. And the street of gold ran from the temple of Zeus all the way to the temple of Cybele. We're going to take a look at some of these gods and goddesses as well so you get a better picture of this city. So, there was actually a, 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 a gold street. It was called the Golden Street that ran from temple to temple. It was, uh, as if Ephesus was, it was a city under Roman rule, uh, which can tell you a whole lot about the culture in and of itself. But this city wasn't under Roman rule because it was being subjugated by Rome, it was willing to. It, was, it had a heart for Rome, it loved Rome, and so it was willingly a subject of the Roman Empire. Culture flourished in Smyrna. Sounds a little bit like Hollywood to me. It was home to a sports arena. One of the most magnificent libraries of the uh, first century was located in Smyrna. Uh, it was home to music and drama theaters. Uh, and it also had a lot of uh, incredible architecture. So it, it was a city of culture, a city of commerce, a city of trade, a beautiful, apparently a very beautiful to the eye uh, city, but it also had multiple pagan temples, multiple. I just mentioned Zeus and Cybele. So in, in, in uh, Smyrna, here's, here's the temples, here's the god and or goddess that they worshiped in those temples. Again, I'm sharing all this information with you because I want you to see a snapshot of the city that this church was in. And it will tell you a lot about why Jesus said what he said in his letters. Remember, by the way, that there's no uh, reproof or rebuke to the Smyrna church at all. There's nothing but positive praise to, there's not necessarily good news because you're going to be persecuted and and poverty and, and imprisoned, but there's no. Uh, I have this against you uh, to the church at Smyrna. So here we go. The temple of Cybele. Cybele was the great mother of wild nature. We might call her Mother Nature, all right? Uh, And she was worshiped as the goddess of fertility, and she was worshiped as the goddess who protected soldiers during war. Then there was the temple of Zeus. Zeus was uh, the god of the sky lightning and thunder, and he was, uh, 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 this will sound familiar, the god of all gods, okay? What you'll see is a lot of correlations between Christian belief and pagan belief. Uh, The temple of Apollo. Apollo was worshiped as the god of archery. All you bow hunters, don't be going and worshiping Apollo. Uh, He was also known as the god of music and dance. Get this. He was known as the God of truth and prophecy. Get this. He was known as the God of healing and disease and including some more things. The temple of Nemesis was there, and it was she was a goddess of divine retribution and revenge. The temple of Aphrodite, many of you have heard that name. She was worshipped as the goddess of love, the goddess of beauty, the goddess of pleasure, passion, and procreation. Then there was the temple of Asclepius, worshipped as the god, are you ready, of healing, truth, and prophecy. Is it easy to see how some Christians who did not have their nose in the book might be able to be confused in that cultural environment? Lots of stuff. Then another thing about Smyrna was, Smyrna was very prideful. It was a city that was filled with self-exaltation they actually would say, its citizens actually bragged that it was the first and the last city. Now that should tell you why Jesus opened up his letter with, I am the first and the last. So I'm trying to help you see some correlations to what was going on in the city and why Jesus wrote certain things. So uh, I want to read, oh, I wanted to say as well that, um, Many of you may have heard of Polycarp. How many of you have heard of Polycarp before in religious idea? Uh, He was a great bishop, and he was martyred in uh, Smyrna. And I chose to read uh, from this book. This is a really cool book. It's called um, The Revelation of John. I have two volumes of this. It's just packed with information. Um, And there was a section of it that I wanted to read to you tonight as it related to Polycarp. So keep in mind that this city was a grand city, a city of commerce, a city of trade, uh, a a beautiful city, a city of multiple gods, uh, a a city of culture. I may have said that already. But it was also, uh, oh, and, and let's keep in mind that it was a city that loved Roman theology and Roman rule, okay? They gave themselves completely to it This church is not in a good environment, okay? Not in a good environment at all, because it was also a church of great martyrdom. So I really felt led to to read this to you, so bear with me for a minute. I got a few things that I want to read to you tonight. Uh, Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna, was martyred on Saturday, February 23rd, A.D. 155. It was the time of the public games. The city was crowded and the crowds were excited, and suddenly the shout went up, away with the atheist, let Polycarp be searched for. Now keep in mind, in that setting, the atheist was the person who didn't believe in the multiple gods, okay? Away with the, the atheist. No doubt, Polycarp could have escaped, but already he had had a dream vision in which he saw the pillow under his head burning with fire, and he had awakened to tell his disciples, I must be burnt alive. His whereabouts was betrayed by a slave who collapsed under torture. They came to arrest him. He ordered that they should be given a meal and provided with all they wished, while he asked for himself the privilege of one last hour in prayer. Not even the police captain wished to see Polycarp die. On the brief journey to the city, he pled with the old man, what harm is it to say Caesar is Lord and to offer sacrifice and be saved? But Polycarp was adamant that for him only Jesus Christ was Lord. When he entered the arena, there came a voice from heaven saying, Be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. The proconsul gave him the choice of cursing the name of Christ and making sacrifice to Caesar or death. Eighty and six years have I served him, said Polycarp, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme, blaspheme my king? saved me the proconsul threatened him with burning and and polycarp replied you threaten me with the fire that burns for a time and is quickly quenched for you do not know the fire which awaits the wicked in judgment to come and an everlasting punishment jab why are you waiting come do as you will so the crowds came Flocking with clubs from the workshops and from the baths and the Jews, even although they were breaking the Sabbath law by carrying such burdens were foremost in bringing wood for the fire, they were going to bind him to the stake. Leave me as I am, he said, for he who gives me power to endure the fire will grant me to remain in the flames unmoved, even without the security you will give by the nails. So they left him loosely bound in the flames, and Polycarp prayed this great prayer. I just feel anointing just even reading it. It's pretty powerful. O Lord God, Almighty Father of thy beloved and blessed child, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received full knowledge of thee, God of angels and powers, and of all creation, and of the whole family of the righteous who live before thee, I bless thee that thou hast granted unto me this day and hour that I may share among the number of the martyrs. In the cup of thy Christ, for the resurrection to eternal life, both of soul and body to the immortality of the Holy Spirit. And may I today be received among them before thee as a rich and acceptable sacrifice, as thou, the God without falsehood and of truth, has prepared beforehand and shown forth and fulfilled. For this reason, I also praise Thee for all things. I bless Thee, I glorify Thee through the eternal and heavenly high priest, Jesus Christ, Thy beloved child, through whom be glory to Thee with Him and the Holy Spirit, both now and for the ages that are to come. Amen. There's only just a little bit more. So much is in plain fact, but then the story drifts into legend. For it goes on to tell that the flames made kind of a tent around Polycarp and left him untouched. At length, the executioner stabbed him to death to achieve what the flames could not do. And when he did, there, was, there came out a dove and much blood so that the fire was quenched. And all the crowd marveled that there was such a difference between the unbelievers and the believers. This is my last part. What is sure is that Polycarp died a martyr for the faith, It could have been no easy engagement to be a Christian in Smyrna, and yet the letter to Smyrna is one of the two in which there is undiluted praise. Wow, that gives you a picture of Smyrna. The letters, as I said, to the churches of Asia were very specific to the location of the church, and that's why with every one of the churches, I wanna take the time to kinda give you that background Knowing, as I said, a little something about their location and their city and the culture and the times helps you as, uh, connect the dots of some of the things that Jesus had to say. I shared with you that, for example, in the second half of verse eight, uh, he says, the first and the last. That was, that was not just an encouragement and an affirmation and identification of who Christ was. It was, yes, it was that. But it was also an encouragement and an affirmation to the people who are part of the church of Smyrna saying, the city is not the first and last, I am the first and the last. And that's pretty powerful. I I love that. So it's important to keep in mind uh, that this letter to um, Smyrna has no rebukes, no reproofs, nothing but commendations, but there's some woe is me news For them as a church in that city. So uh, Revelation, I think this will be on the screen, so I'm going to revert now to the New King James Version. Revelation 2, verses 9 through 10. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, and in parentheses, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So in this setting of these verses of what I would call bad news, would you all call that bad news? That's a little worse than 2020 news. You're going to have affliction, poverty, and imprisonment. But now we need to take a look at these words and what they really mean christ mentions three things to them about the trials that they are about to face keep in mind this is a church that had no rebuke from jesus meaning there was nothing for jesus to rebuke and yet they were going to face great trials so you have affliction poverty and imprisonment now uh uh-oh Oh, I guess I made two copies. There we go. Not sure how that happened. Here we go. Affliction, or in some uh, some translation says tribulation. Some translations say persecutions. It comes from a Greek word. You don't need to know this or have a spelling, but it's called phlipsis. And it doesn't just mean affliction persecution and tribulation, it means tribulation that is a crushing weight. I mean, that's why the, the word affliction was used. It's not just, we're going to have a trial, not just I'm going through a hard day. This, was, this church was facing crushing persecution. Now, it's easy to see because if you think about where they're at, anyone who was a Christian was considered an atheist which goes against the grain of what we think nowadays. Uh, so it was a this church in Smyrna was under great pressure. It was dangerous to be a Christian in Smyrna, and yet, and yet this church received nothing but praise from Christ. Probably the one church that was the most prone toward persecution and terrible persecution. That might have been, by all logic, the church that could have waffled in its commitment more than any other, and yet it was solid in its commitment. If you'll remember, even by title, I talked about this when we first started our study, that each of the churches had a specific title that was a descriptive title about them. Ephesus was known as the careless church. Pergamos was known as the compromising church. Thyatira was the corrupt church. Uh, Sardis, the crippled church. Philadelphia, the inconsistent, ch- excuse me, the consistent church. My bad. Laodicea, the lukewarm church. And if you'll remember, and we said this in our very first study about the letters, to Smyrna was given the descriptive title, the persecuted church. Of all of them, that was what really made them up. And we shouldn't find it unusual that the church was persecuted. Uh, Was persecuted. But we also shouldn't find it unusual or impossible that the church will be persecuted in these last days that we live. We live a pretty comfortable life here in America, regardless of who's in the White House or who's not in the White House, or who's the Speaker of the House or who's not the Speaker of the House. We live a pretty comfortable life here in America uh, compared to other places. There is crushing persecution that has already hit the world. Not here, maybe. It's not crushing in America yet, let me add that. But it certainly is everywhere else. Uh, In some places, Christian persecution is almost near genocidal levels. I want to read to you a document about worldwide persecution. You need to know this. Uh, It's very comfortable for us to be here in America and in our church building and to have soft, cushy seats to sit on and go about our days and praise and worship and we think that we're experiencing persecution in America. No, my friend. This is going to give you a picture and some other things that we're going to talk about of what persecution really looks like. A flipsis, severe, crushing, persecution. And if I'm going to do my job as a pastor to prepare you for the last days of the Lord, then I'm also going to do my job to prepare you that we too will have to face this type of thing should the Lord tarry. Okay? I'm going to read this to you and I'm, I can make a copy of this available to anyone that wants it. It's from uh, a... Uh, a uh, organization, that's the word i was going for, called Open Doors. Every day, eight Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. I didn't do the math on how many of that is a year. Every week, 182 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. And every month, 309 Christians are imprisoned unjustly. The listed nations comprise 260 million Christians suffering high to severe levels of persecution, thlipsis, up from 245 million in last year's list. Another 50 million could be added from the 23 nations that fall just outside the top 50, such as Mexico, Chad, and the Democratic Republic of the Congo, for a ratio of one in eight Christians worldwide facing crushing persecution but not here oh is there persecution yes but not like is currently happening potentially even right now somewhere else the trend continues as two in five asian christians now face high levels of persecution up from one in three the previous reporting period china's crackdown on both state-sanctioned and underground churches, and its growing surveillance network added 16 million to open doors tally of Christians facing persecution. And we have a missionary who's a missionary to China, Bill Otten, uh, and he's not even able, of course, to go there now. I can only imagine the the escalation of what has happened in China. I, I, I can't even fathom how Bill and Susan must feel about their friends and those that they have one to the Lord in China. The Chinese government is committing unparalleled human rights crimes against Christian citizens and seeking to wipe religious sentiment from its country. Yet as the Chinese Christians who will join me will testify, the persecution Christian face, including intensive surveillance, raids on churches, and imprisonment, have not succeeded in eliminating Christianity. Sounds a little bit like Smyrna, Right? Instead, the underground Christian community has banded together and is actively working to call the world's attention to the plight of the Chinese people. We need to be praying. I'm I'm, I'm sharing this with you, yes, because it is a part of the study of Smyrna, but it is time that we open our eyes to the plight of other Christians around the world. This isn't about sending a mission gift, although that's good, but it's about having an awareness because Bill Otten is a friend of mine and Diane, and he's also a friend of this church, although many of you, he hasn't been here in a long time, you don't know him. His heart is for the Chinese people. I can't even imagine how he must feel. At the D.C. rollout, Curry was joined, Curry is one of the, uh, the people from Open Doors, was joined by, the, by Chinese pastor Jian Zhu. The persecution of Christians is the worst I have seen since 1979. Christians have a worldwide brotherhood and the government sees this as a threat. Open Doors tracks persecution across six categories, including both social and governmental pressure on individuals, families, and congregation, and a special focus on women. But when violence is isolated as a category, the top 10 persecutors shifts dramatically Only Pakistan and India actually remain as the places of the greatest persecution. Five of the most violent countries for Christians are located in Sahel, a horizontal belt of semi-arid grazing area and farmland located between the Sahara Desert and the African Savannah. Militant Islamist rebel groups and terrorists have proliferated in Sahel in recent years. Conflict between Muslim herders and Christian farmers has also resulted in violence and weakened government structures leave the population vulnerable. You should be thankful that I chose not to show you any videos of some of the horrible, heinous acts that are happening because people will not renounce Jesus Christ as savior. And if you study in times, you study Revelation, you'll find that that same thing will happen for those who do not take the mark of the beast that they will, the Bible says, be beheaded for their pronouncement of faith. Nigeria, where Africa's largest Christian population has no more cheeks to turn, ranked number 12 overall but is second behind only Pakistan in terms of violence and ranks number one in the number of Christians killed for reasons related to faith. Nigeria, just in 2020, 1,350 people killed for their faith. Central African Republican, 924. Sri Lanka, 200. Democratic Republic of Congo, 152. South Sudan, 100. Burkina Faso, 50. Egypt, 23. Pakistan, 20. Colombia, 16. Horribly, violently tortured and killed because they would not renounce Jesus Christ. I would say that that is flipsis. Severe, crushing persecution. We got it pretty comfortable here, y'all. I'm gonna read on. Part of my plan tonight. The Central African Republican, I'm sorry, the Central African Republic uh, ranks fourth in violence against Christians. Burkina Faso, I don't even know where that is, ranks fifth. Cameroon. And Mali joined Egypt and Colombia and Sri Lanka in rounding out the top 10. Sri Lanka rose 16 spots from number 46 last year, which killed over 250 people in Catholic and Protestant churches and hotels. But the year's largest and most dramatic jump was in Burkina Faso, which jumped 33 slots after not even qualifying for the top 50 last year. That tells you what has happened and increased just in 2020. Dozens of Faso priests and pastors have been kidnapped or killed. Over 200 churches have been forced to close. The United Nations estimates 500,000 people have been displaced from their homes. The African Center for Strategic Studies calculate that extremist attacks have quadrupled since 2017 and deaths from violence increased 60% in 2019. I mean, they're going into homes and cities with machetes and hacking people to death. I don't mean to be that gross, if you will, but this is happening to believers in the same Lord that you believe in who do not have the comfort level that you and I experienced today. Abduction of Christians is a new category tracked by Open Doors in this year's report with 1,052 tallied worldwide. Nigeria tops the list with 224. Nigeria also leads the newly tracked categories of forced marriages. And typically those are forced marriage of little girls to older men. Of the top seven nations where Christians are raped or sexually harassed, four are recipients of migrant workers in the Arabian Peninsula, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kuwait, and the United uh, Arab Immigrants, Nigeria's eighth. Worldwide, there were 8,537 recorded cases because they proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord if this doesn't break your heart, nothing will. India ranks first in the new category of physical or mental abuse, which includes beatings and death threats. The continuing rise in the subcontinent of a militant Hindu nationalism contributed to 1,445 of the reported 14,000 cases worldwide. And this is still talking about that of um, rape or sexual harassment. China, the chief violator uh, in Open Door's other two previously tracked categories, Beijing has jailed or detained without charge 1,147 Christians for faith-related reasons out of the total of 3,711 worldwide. But attacks and forced closures of churches have skyrocketed from 1,847 to 9,488 with China alone accounting for 5,500 of those increases. Angola was second with 2,000 and Rwanda with third at 700. In the Middle East, open doors noted little change with four out of five Christians experiencing high levels of persecution, crushing persecution. Syria has lost 75 percent of its Christian population since the outbreak of civil war in 2011. Iraq has lost 87 percent of its Christian population since the Gulf War. Open Doors believes it's reasonable to call Christianity the most severely persecuted religion. I know that wasn't good news but in one of the two letters that Jesus wrote that had zero condemning or reproof or rebuke was facing this kind uh, and even more heinous, probably, persecution that you and I, many Christians have no clue that this stuff is happening across the globe. We hear about it on the news, and we are desensitized to it because... There's so much bad news. And we don't realize that what that is is a Church of Smyrna type of persecution. Here's some more data in the form of headlines. So what I'm reading to you is just nine headlines. Current headlines. Hundreds of Pakistan Christians flee after pastor's Facebook post attracts death threats. Rising persecution in China forces thousands of pastors into hiding. Y'all need to understand that when I read this stuff, I begin to relate that in the end times, this is something that we will face as a church as well. We are not exempt from this persecution just because we're in America, okay? I'm gonna read some scriptures to you in a minute that will show you that that's true. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can expect thripsis, severe persecution. Number three, armed mob attacks Christians in India burning their Bibles. Number four, Christians in China face heavy prison sentences for selling audio Bibles. Iranian Christian convert gets 80 lashes for drinking communion wine. ISIS beheads 50 men and boys in Mozambique, and the women and the children were abducted because of faith, because of their faith. China is converting churches into factories. Number eight, Christians executed in North Korea Korea for owning a Bible and their family newborn babies were murdered. And I know that's enough already, I'll do one more. Thousands of Hindu radicals attack Christian homes in India. I don't know about you, but I'd say that there's crushing persecution happening across the globe. Well, Pastor, why are you telling all this? As I said, each of these letters is an example to the church today of the things that we should do and the things that we shouldn't do. And in this case, I will add, of the things we can expect. You and I got it pretty easy, as I said, but Scripture tells us that that's not always going to be the case. 2 Timothy 3:12. All. who's included in all? Maybe I should say, who's excluded in the word all? Americans? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Now it did not say all who desire to be a Christian. <laughs> it said all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, Will suffer thripsis, persecution. I know it's heavy. John 15, 20. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You say, Pastor, come on, I have some good news. I don't know that the church of Smyrna got any good news. Goes on to say there'll be poverty, there'll be great poverty. They'll be imprisoned. It says for ten days. We'll talk about that at another time, quite frankly, in more detail. But that doesn't mean ten literal days. That was a, state, a figure of speech relating to a short period of time. But the case back then in that city, especially, you didn't go to prison to get out. You went to prison to die. That's why it says, uh, uh, "Be faithful unto death." <laughs> There isn't a lot of good news in this letter to Smyrna, is there? Why should we celebrate as though we're exempt somehow? Acts 14, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. The American church isn't, you are not experiencing many Tribulations. I mean, we all every day's got enough trouble of its own. Jesus talks about that, but that's not tribulation, y'all. Oh, somebody made fun of me because I was a Christian. Well, they okay, they didn't cut your head off or rape you. I'm sorry to be so blunt and blatant, but that's what Christians are facing today, and, and we're exempt. Revelation 7:13 through 14, "'Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, "'Who are these arrayed in white robes, "'and where did they come from?' "'And I said to him, "'Sir, you know.' "'So he said to me, "'These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation "'and washed their robes and made them white "'in the blood of the Lamb.'" How does this fit to the scheme of our study? Because there's a thing called the seven-year tribulation period of which the last three and a half years will be one of the worst that the saints of God have ever faced that have ever happened. A tribulation unlike anything that's ever taken place on earth, the Bible tells us. Those of you who say, well, there's there's a rapture issue here, you need to go back to the beginning of our studies to know where we stand on that or at least how we're looking through this. Matthew chapter 5, this is some good news. I think this, it would be, uh, behoove me, I suppose, to try to end on a positive note, don't you think? <laughs> uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12, Jesus speaking, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I am not here as, uh, you know me, I'm not a doom and gloomer, doom and gloom preacher. Uh, and I'm also not a just a positive mental attitude you know, guru either, just truth, let's look at the truth, whether the truth hurts or not, let's look at the truth. We should expect persecution here in America in the same way it was written in biblical times that is currently happening across the globe. It just hasn't reached us yet. But let our country continue to seek down into socialism led by Marxists and others down the path that we're going right now, and we will see more attacks on the church, more attack on those who believe in, Christian, in, in Jesus Christ, and more attacks on ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will see it here in America. I wrote in my notes, I wonder, are you ready? Are you ready? Listen, this brings us right back to why I started this in the begin with, to prepare the people of God for the last days, for the Lord's coming. Uh, every year I get a uh, I predict statement from my pastor. I'm going to close with a couple of these. This is I predict 2021 and beyond. Um, the battle is on. Beware of the soon coming storm. If we stand on one, excuse me, if, if we stand as one, the year will be won. But there is an oncoming storm. I'm only going to do three of the many that are there. There will be a strong move for church displacement as socialism and the Marxists move into the local church and try to take it over. Now, again, he writes these as, uh, for example, the title, I predict 2021 and beyond. But we've already seen what has happened in 2020 has set the stage for so many probabilities that are not positive probabilities. We must be prepared for these last days. This is a mandate that the Lord put on me just weeks after coronavirus hit our country, that I needed to prepare people for the Lord's coming. To prepare you to be tough, resilient saints of God, who, like Smyrna or Polycarp, will say, "Go ahead and burn me. I'm covered by the fire of Jesus Christ." And what a great—if it is folklore—that the fire surrounded him like a tent. And when they cut him open, so much blood came out. Put the fire out. I mean, still yet he was—he had that strength, that courage to go through such a thing. If. Any one of us, come on, let's let's be honest. Any one of us in this room would be screaming bloody murder to get out of that situation. We need to have that kind of faith. We need to be that solid in what we believe and what we're doing. And that brings me to the last thing that Doc wrote in his statement. And I'll close with this. Nonchalant and mediocre Christianity will have to go and so will spiritual double agency. It's mandatory to be found chasing God this year with full fervency. You might think, well, what a great way to end a bad year. (laughs) Listen, we're not gonna camp at 2020, but nowhere did it say that 2021 is gonna be another grand year for Christianity. Now, we may have some grand seasons, amen, praise God, and some revival times, but the the overarching view of attack against Christianity is only going to get worse and worse and worse. I don't know how long it will take, but we need to be prepared that if it were to happen in our lifetime, we could have that kind of strength and that kind of faith that says nothing will ever make me denounce my faith in Jesus Christ, nothing. I'm not sure that many of us are there. I'd love to say if you can believe it and receive it, give the Lord some praise, but a lot of it isn't praiseworthy. It's sobering. Such was life probably for the church at Smyrna. I know your tribulation and your poverty and the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil's about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation. It says for 10 days, but that means for a short period of time. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Next Wednesday, we'll continue our study. Um on the church at Smyrna, because we only made it past affliction. We need to talk about poverty and imprisonment. This is the letter. I mean, I can avoid all this stuff if you want me to, but it is the letter. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to face the truth and discover what does the Lord want us to do with that truth and how are we to prepare ourselves. I mean, I don't like this picture, I'm not even sure where I'm at, honestly. I mean, if they were to come into my home and attack my wife in my presence while I was being restrained and say, denounce Christ or please don't let your imagination run away with you. I don't know if I could... But I know, but that my husbandry doesn't let that happen. But my husband. grace in the moment. Thank you, Diane. I think we both yeah, I get the I get what you're saying I, and I I just I think what I want to try to say there is that we we don't know what we're going to act like when it hits. So we better be prepared, over prepared in every way that we possibly can when and if it does. Right? Can you say amen? Just because you can and because you know who the Lord is, would you give the Lord a praise right now? <laughs> amen. Amen. Stand with me. I want to dismiss you. I want to pray over you. Father, your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. That goes in and cuts asunder both ways. And it lays us open. But you fill us with your fullness. We ask, Lord God, that we can take your word and though there are times that, Lord, your word is difficult, and not happy that we can still take that word as a word from God and say how and what does that mean for me today in preparing myself and preparing my family for the days that lie ahead. For Lord, you instructed me, you gave me a mandate and a mantle to teach the people who call this their church and me their pastor how to survive the end times and be ready For the Lord's coming. May we take it all to heart, whether it's good news or bad news. And may we recognize, even as Diane said so wonderfully, in those moments, you will give, as you gave Polycarp, you will give us the grace to stand in the midst of the fire and worship our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, no matter what. I speak a blessing over each and every one of the saints of God that are here in this room and all of those of you that have connected with me tonight through Facebook and or YouTube. I call you blessed. Uh, It almost sounds weird to say this, but Happy New Year. (laughs) I call you blessed. Go enjoy and peace and be strengthened in the name of the Lord. Love you guys.